Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. You're listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. My name is Carmen Main, and today my guest is Jocelyn Dean. I'd like to introduce Jocelyn by way of reading their bio. Jocelyn Dean was born in London, 1993, before moving to Australia in 2001. They were awarded the 2013 457 Visa Prize for Poetry, as well as being shortlisted for the 2015 Marsden and Hatchet Prize. They've been published in VoiceWorks, Australian Poetry and Seizure Magazine, among other places. They currently work as a freelance web designer, tutor and translator and are studying at the University of Melbourne. Thanks so much for being here today, Jocelyn. My pleasure, yeah. How about we read a poem? Would you like to present one of your first pieces for today? Yeah, sure. I would love to present one of my first pieces today. Um, Thank you. What's the poem called? um, It used to be called Star Muse. Now it's called uh, Death and Molly, just because it's more specific. Yep. The context is I knew someone back in the UK uh, called uh, Molly, Molly Wood, mm. and she died recently, and she was about maybe 105 years old. Wow. Yeah. I'd known her all my life, and it probably just a t- uh, trying to come to terms with that, I suppose. Of course, yeah. And also trying to reckon the sort of sheer scale of a life that long. Absolutely. All the changes that one person would see in that time. Hmm. Hmm. I would come to collect you, provisional as China, gingerly offering my arm for five minutes between Star Muse and Stone Court, listening to you say, two people crossing on a flight of stairs is bad luck. You can feel the ghosts trying to reach out through the sudden confusion of space. Who is occupying? Who is bequeathing like a twenty-pound note in a card you would send as an unbirthday present? Sometimes you'd invite me in. Couldn't enter otherwise. Crucifixes that I'm okay with. Just space. And even then you'd ferry me out as soon as humanly possible. I did get to see your dolls, and the century dust-thick photos, indescribably specific, crammed into a small flat in a tiny corner of a tiny country, indivisible as an atom, split from incredible love. You invite me in. This time I stay. Wow. That's such a beautiful piece, Jocelyn. I, 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 I really love that line, split from invisible, indivisible love. Uh, indivisible as an atom, split from incredible love. Split from incredible love, yeah. Um, I think that piece is just gorgeous, and thank you so much for sharing it. Um, it's it, Loss of any type is hard, but... Um, to have someone in your life for your whole life and Mm. then to not is an unusual thing. Definitely, yeah. I mean, uh, it's it's the previous year also um, my grandmother died. Oh, okay. And I suppose between the two of them, they have probably been the most sort of constant presences or among the most constant constant presences Mm. in my life excluding like obviously my parents and stuff like that of course yeah yeah I mean up until maybe a couple of years ago we were sort of we still went back to the UK as sort of 
on a fairly regular basis as you know like cost and time allowed essentially yeah yeah definitely uh it, it would be difficult to get the whole family together to go back for a trip every year definitely those limiting factors mm. of, of finances and time um is travel something that's really important to you i would say so yeah i mean on one level i can certainly point to the kind of disjunction between living but uh, in living between the uk and and australia that definitely informs a great deal of what i write yeah i would have thought that would be the case mm. in mm. addition to it sounds kind of corny, but when I was in high school, we had to do like one of the, we had to write poems about a given topic mm-hmm. that would then was tested in like the HSC or something like that. And the one we got sidled with was belonging, capital B, belonging. Mm-hmm. And I, and it would in whatever form it, I suppose it stuck with me in the sense that I suppose I was sort of taught to write poetry in a fairly formal sense mm. and then sort of connecting it with this kind of big capital B belonging theme sort of al- allowed me to do something which I think otherwise I would have had difficulty with mm. or I would have I would have struggled to put into words which I ironically enough still have a, an issue with especially in regards to family and stuff like and other related issues. Yeah, it's almost as if our uh, our focus as a writer can sometimes be outside of the self and just sort of almost like at the top of, you know how at the very top of a radio tower, the closer you are to the tower, mm-hmm. sometimes the less uh, the less able you are to pick up the signal because you are so close. Yeah. I can see that analogy sometimes in in my own writing and other people's writing as well. You yeah. can't, it's sometimes really hard to write about that that is closest to the heart. Mm-hmm. So how did you first come to writing? It sounds as though you were writing in high school. Yeah. Like I remember as uh, a kid being read to just nursery rhymes and stuff like that and always uh, always loving that and then in i'd say like junior school or something like that i had a teacher and this is like the sort of stereotypical dead poet society kind of thing well actually no in that respect like it wasn't sort of stand on stand on your desk my captain my captain kind of thing more just like oh yeah write haiku write limericks and and that sort of and i think the formal sort of game-like element of writing something that was explicitly funny Mm. or something that had like an explicit purpose because like when I first came to Australia I had to go through um months well months more than that um uh like months of speech therapy and stuff like that oh okay yeah just to for a variety of different reasons and that probably is related to what I was saying before about the difficulty of, fi- of finding means to express certain things, mm. which I suppose attracted me more to more sort of formal verse forms and stuff like that, like sonnets and and villanelles and, and stuff. Definitely. Because it sort of cut the middleman out of trying to essentially splurge everything that I otherwise would have uh, wanted to 
onto uh, in into a poem and it be like sort of messy and nonsensical to anyone who is not coming from that kind of place of course there's structure there hmm. and and sometimes there's uh, uh funnily enough and i don't have this experience because i'm not very structured as a writer but there's can be freedom in that structure mm-hmm. in a way um yeah or a way to organize uh thought in a beautiful way that is by way of its structure accessible to others Hmm. rather than a thought word soup (laughs) oh yeah well i've I've definitely written like my fair share of like thought word soups yeah tasty thought word soup yeah it's a pretty good thing that's probably my favorite but um (laughs) yeah i definitely love a well-structured bit of poetry or prose um speaking of which do you have another piece that you would like to present for us today? I do, funnily enough. Perfect. I have more than one. Awesome. Um, What's this, next? This one's just called, um, it's called Winter Lions in Bath. Uh, my aunt uh, in the UK is uh, massively into um, conservation efforts and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And specifically lions and uh, and other like endangered species and like... Uh, in those kind of regions, and she asked me to essentially write a poem for her about it, mm. and I didn't for the longest possible time because I procrastinated <laughs> like a dunce. <laughs> that doesn't mean that you're a dunce if you procrastinate. <laughs> I think sometimes uh, that procrastination and or stewing on things allows allows them to grow. It's mind marination. Or- I would... I will take that, certainly. I perhaps am saying it as much for you as I am for myself. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was like the strict, like she originally came to me saying like, oh, Joss, could you please write, I really like lions and I really want to sort of draw attention to these sort of uh, efforts. Do you think you could write a poem about it? And my first sort of arrogant thought was, oh, yeah, sure, of course I could. And then I sort of thought about it a bit and go, maybe, maybe... Yeah, I don't know. And the first thing I wrote was like a short one, which was kind of incomprehensible and based on a quote from, I think, uh, Ludwig Wittgenstein, which was, if a lion could speak English or for a lion could speak, no one could understand them or something like that. Hmm. Not not directly connected to conservation and stuff like that, but then neither is this one. And this one is more of a, This one I wrote around Christmas, so I suppose it turned into more of a Christmas poem. Icicles form on Jane Austen pump houses like sabre teeth. Fossil clean, dripping an ice age like we're still our closest to them. Even in winter there are lion bite marks crusting the air, frightening people despite themselves, filling puddles of footprints. You wake up, Christmas morning 2017. Cut your finger against the lion-cold window and squeal for gifts and joy. There are still lions filling the gaps of us. You're listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. So what's the title of your next piece? Stone Court. And this is where my grandmother lived, in her village in the UK. Cool. Suzanne's house, Stone Court, died mid-January. One codification of faces except the same face bisected between photos, one hairline fracture in the Edwardian teacup of winter, so the house submitted its last bequest to melt into the 40s Southampton art school drafts of a young Jesus, the Piglet movie, 
the bogey trench coats my sister and I cosplaying for you and a groom of grown-ups. Boris Johnson's autobiography on Churchill, the great bomb negotiator, saying a bomb is just the word made flesh, but was rejected. Hmm. It was quite a visual piece, that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Thank you. Um, wow, that's cool. Perfect. Awesome. So, what's the next poem that you'd like to read and share with us today? It's called Garden Lights. Okay. Yeah, it's basically about uh, the vegetable patch that my mum maintains in her house. Beautiful. Yeah. You can't tell if we've abandoned growing vegetables. Mum gazed over and wished for carrots to no one in particular. Besides, the turmeric, parsley, the talking herb we call it in our family language, the sage no one eats, tasted like nothing. Nighttime in our garden you observe, tentatively, too conscious, tiny LEDs like London street lamps, an east end of loam and worm nutrients, segregation of whatever you remember exactly and whatever really happened, a neural pathway of water. You're listening to Spoken Word on 3CR with Jocelyn Dean and Carmen Main.
listening to Spoken Word on 3CR 855 on your AM dial and that was a beautiful tune by a wonderful uh, performer, artist, extraordinaire Bjork. Uh, the tune was Hyper Ballad from her album Post which is from 1995, a good year for music. Um, and we're here today with our guest Jocelyn Dean. Thank you for being here. Again, a pleasure. Um, I really, really loved your musical pick today. Mm-hmm. Um could you maybe elaborate why Bjork was who you wanted to hear? I think that specific song, first of all, I love the way Bjork sings just because it feels like she's drilling into every syllable of record of sound, every kind of nuance, every phoneme and sort of extracting as much sense from it as possible. Uh, that particular song see, on one level, I love the image of throwing uh, common everyday items off a cliff, and that kind and the kind of defamiliarization that that sort of implies, like, mm. oh yeah, all these things, all the you know, like the accoutrements of a life 
being sort of discarded in that kind of way uh, is very evocative Mm, to me with beautiful views oh yeah definitely yeah I can definitely uh, relate to that feeling and have always appreciated the imagery in that particular piece of music um and I guess new 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 year new you oh yeah <laughs> maybe I, I hadn't considered hadn't that. considered that yeah that was perhaps Very the first opposite. thing that came to to my mind and maybe <laughs> it's because I've been reading too many um BuzzFeed scrolly articles about how I need to change my life <laughs> I can only hope that I would be as joyful as as Bjork in in discarding well, in regards to approaching the new year, but also discarding those kind of things. Yeah, the detrius of a life well lived, hopefully. <laughs> um, how's about some poetry? Would you like to share another piece? We're doing poetry here? We're doing poetry okay, here cool. on Spoken Word today. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sure. Um, this one I wrote, there was an event a while back um, The um, at a... I can't remember the name of the... Um, I can't remember the name of the, the the venue, but it was a fundraiser for the uh, Yes campaign. Oh, okay, great. Uh, it was happening in the, the in town somewhere, um, and this uh, and I, I was part of the lineup. And this is one that I wrote, sort of for it, or I know was at the very least inspired by it. Hmm. It's called uh, just Brunswick Buds. Everyone's name is written on water here. Everyone strips down and is stripped to specific choices our bodies are made into. There is progression toward nakedness, latex-looking trunks and bikinis shudder at, in a 33-degree chlorine solution meant for purification, the erasure of a kind of mutual sickness, a fluidity that passes the porousness of borders like rainbow coral reefs before, well, you know, everything. We can cap anything that leaks, smear ourselves with nonioc all nine, messy but not unclean, safe and minimally chemical, only as normal as medicine dictates. Medicine is its own poetry after all. The saunas fill up with the flesh you usually spend a life getting used to, the thought of an endless growth of sorts whose implications can only make us uncomfortable. What a beautiful pace and such a um, important cause to be involved in like how was that gig i think it was pretty good yeah Yeah. um if i recall correctly um charlotte raymond was also was also on the the bill as as well as shalice van wingart Mm -hmm. i hope i pronounced that right uh kylie supsky and reverse butcher perfect yeah yeah is a pretty good lineup this one is called um Jesus is delicious, with a exclamation point. Mm. Jesus tasted so good. All umami multitudes enfolded in a meatloaf, one devoured with big faces, shark-wide, saying, This is ours now. Thou wert a whale, O man, a prophet of deep space, sheltering nothing, before you beheld his huge palms spread. Converging, we make black pudding of his blood distributed through London, his borough markets unbuttoned, tender his chest with our teeth, sticky and red, fraught with roses under a skin loam. Take, eat, we mouth, middle and forefinger, spelling a smile on dark beard line with braille delicacy. This is my body. Give freely, 
repeating, licking away. Wow, that was beautiful. Thank you. No worries. Jesus, blood, blood, sausage. That doesn't sound like something that would necessarily be in the uh, gourmet magazine lift out. (laughs) Tonight we have some delightful Jesus for you. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, Sorry, I always take things quite literally. It's perhaps a downfall of mine. (laughs) Oh, no. I... I remember some like I remember showing that to someone, and they were like, "Oh, so it's all about the Eucharist and stuff like that." I'm like, uh, "Yeah, no. it's about eating Jesus. <laughs> no. It's about you know cannibalizing Jesus's body, <laughs> which I suppose is what they were getting at." But your own personal Jesus, <laughs> someone to hear your prayers. <laughs> yeah, sorry, I had to go there. I just oh yeah, to. no, it's a good song. It is a good song. Perhaps we'll wrap up our our wonderful talk and uh, sharing of words today with a final piece from you, Jocelyn. Is that okay? That would be fine. Thank you very much. So this particular poem is called uh, The Assassin House. It's based... It's also a poem about uh, my grandmother's house in West Sussex, or more specifically her attic and the experience of sort of rifling through an attic and finding all this kind of like detritus and items from centuries ago, not centuries, maybe a quarter, half a century and stuff like that. And having like the literal sort of rubbish and sort of refuse and results of an entire sort of history, an entire family history, a history of a people before you in a kind of way that evokes that sort of passing of time in a way that is kind of scary and a bit awe-inspiring and stuff like that. In the house of Weibo in West Sussex, assassins lived in the attics like bats, cohabiting in dovecots, for the time of assassins had packed in and their knives were useless against London. One box, authentic Beatles LPs in hearing in the attic's mind's memory, fingerprints still sticky on George's thinness was poison. The other, the flying guillotine, no one has figured out how to use. One assassin posited it was an old Cecil B. DeMille set prop. Another with a collie beard retorted, Cecil B. DeMille didn't direct a movie about West Sussex. Too many figures necessary. Not enough West Sussex. (laughs) You should have been a poet, one assassin says, her robes exhuming jade, clods and cliché. You could have been a child and instead of murder, seen angels chaffing the fields, carousing like birds in the blood lavender, and began to scream when God put his one good eye in at the window. Then you would have been remembered. One assassin springs like a cat in a box, hearing the carer coming. The assassins fold into chairs, unsold copies of other men's flowers by the last viceroy of India. Pith helmets, magazines, support muscular dystrophy collections with Rupert Bear in a sling reciting, This too shall pass, and I will still love you. Old sovereigns inside, the collar of closed windows. The assassins materialised again, remembering themselves, repeating the ideograms they remember. Glenn Miller, vi- Glenn Miller vinyl, the blackboard dust daubed words with their fingers. Letters beginning, Dearest Grandmother, scrawled as reminiscence tapering that's beautiful thank you so much thanks very much i love how um that piece really wrapped up a lot of the things that we were speaking about as yeah well. it it it's occurred it occurred to me when i was reciting that like huh, yeah. huh. 
bit of synchronicity. Nice little uh, neuron, neuro, nice little like neural explosions happening yeah, in my head. Yeah, definitely. Oh, what a beautiful piece. Thank you. And um, I very much enjoyed having you here in the studio today, Jocelyn. Thank you so much for your time it was and for a, being here at 3CR. It was an absolute pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for having me. To find out more about spoken word events in Melbourne, have a look at melbournespokenword.com. You've been listening to Spoken Word on 3CR. Spoken Word airs every Thursday from 9 to 9.30am here on 3CR. You can find us on 855 on your AM dial, stream us online on 3cr.org.au or tune in to our weekly podcast. 